You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Sunday morning discussion on Weekend View. Yeah, in regard to gender-based violence, these so notorious things such as uh, parole, 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 you see, it doesn't work. So it exacerbates these killings of women. It happened around here in Clegstop where two parolees, after two months, they were, they were involved in, in, in the killings of, of women. What does that mean? We've been talking and talking to say, let's get rid of this this notorious thing such as parole. Thank you, Willie in Kuma. Morning, Bongiwa. It depends on God. You have a luck from God to have a disciplined child because the child-headed family, those who got pregnant at an early stage, so who's going to discipline their, their babies? And also, if the jails at the universities and hotels, gender-based violence will never end. Let us pray, Lord, to help us when we are disciplining our children. Thank you, Bongi. You, you talk about something very difficult to also comprehend, and that is around, uh, you know, the, the child-headed households, because this is another conversation um, around this time that that I think should also be had because we, we, we also just don't talk about it enough. But also, we're not talking about the rights of people with disabilities enough as well. And what happens, the abuse they also suffer, because this particular campaign is also looking at uh, some of the challenges in that particular regard. But let's get into our discussion. The violation of women and children is one of the biggest challenges in our societies. Now, as South Africa observes the 16 days of activism against gender-based violence, we want to look at men's role in the fight against GBV. Now, are men left behind in the conversation? Do you think they are? Now, tomorrow, the African Union Men's Conference on Positive Masculinity begins. The aim is to consolidate bold continental efforts that heads of state and other sectors have taken towards ending violence against women and girls. Meanwhile, we continue to assess the efforts uh, to end gender-based violence uh, with the 16 days of activism having begun yesterday. Let's uh, discuss this now with Grayson Taylor, who's a strategic information manager at Chapter 2 and Deputy Chairperson of the Men's Sector, Dr. Madume Kanaka. Let me thank you both for your time this morning. I'm going to start with you, um, Grayson. We've seen this campaign, 16 days of activism over time now. And yet here we are, and and, 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 and and I mean, the fact that we're still having conversations around the table, talking about what must be done, when and how, one wonders, are we seeing a tangible difference in the in the society? Thank you so much, uh, Bongiwe, for having me. No, indeed, that's a critical question to ask. Um, and, and the simple answer, really, to answer your question is no. We are not seeing enough, because the fact of the matter is, as we speak currently, someone is, un- is facing an unfortunate situation 
where they are being violated, they are being abused, they are being raped. Um, and, you know, and I also think it's quite critical, Bungwe, that as we're talking about positive uh, masculinity, and by the way, I prefer using the word compassionate masculinity. And compassionate masculinity is a process where you understand one's positionality, power, privilege um, in society, and understanding that, you know, my power, privilege, um, and positionality in, in society can bring about harm. You know, so how do we then change toxic masculinity to produce compassionate masculinity? And it starts with these conversations, you know. I look forward to a day um, in South Africa, Bongiwe, where, you know, when someone is being violated at a taxi rank, where men and people who possess um, masculinity or express masculinity step in to defend someone instead of asking the question, what did she do? And that is where we are currently in South Africa, where we don't we, we don't use our positionality to protect and advance the rights of women, children, LGBTI individuals um, in society currently. And I think it's also quite critical to understand that when we talk about masculinity, we don't necessarily talk about individuals that are born with a penis. We talk about individuals that express masculinity which is inclusive of masculine lesbians, bisexual lesbians, masculine gay men who ex express masculinity and have the, 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 the ability to, to use their masculinity to in inflict harm on others. So I think, you know, when we talk about masculinity, we should, we should take everyone along the conversation because unfortunately, you know, it's not only men who, who are using, um, um, who, who express toxic masculinity to inflict harm in South Africa. So we need to broaden the conversation and say, listen, um, folks, you know, we're talking about this group of people, this group of people, this group of people, and not necessarily men only. Because mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is that masculinity does not necessarily come um, by virtue of being born with a penis. And this, this is where we are right now in society, that this is where the conversation needs to be steering um, currently in the in the country and dr Khadaka, listen to, to listening to that i mean one thinks about the role then that families play especially when it comes to feeding uh, some of the stereotypical positions that we then see play out when men are older and and and, and are in positions of power and and i'm listening to grace and talking about compassionate masculinity what role then do families play particularly in conscientizing men to understand this particular aspect of their being well thanks Mungue, um and to the safm listeners so i mean ultimately families who are part of society uh, play a, a critical role in in defining um you know these gender roles and you know, amongst those it, is the concept of what one can call hegemonic masculinity, which is, you know, those traits that we subscribe to, to, to masculinity, which, you know, are ultimately gendered um, uh, in their socialization, first and foremost in the family. And, you know, the whole pink uh, in terms of girls and blue in terms of, of boys. And those uh, begin in the families um, uh, from a socialization point of view. And once those are entrenched, uh, they then lay the basis for, for the power inequalities. And then you enter that vicious cycle where, where you know, we're raised differently and those power uh, uh, inequalities ultimately lead to the social inequalities that we see. And then it moves now to the social uh, reproduction of patriarchy and then leads, leading to a patriarchal society that then 
creates that um, uh, you know uh, hegemonic masculinity so uh, the family is ultimately you know the genesis of of the issues that we are talking about so like my fellow colleague has indicated that we need to you know start at that level where how we define masculinity is much more broader and we find a balance you know that uh, you know if it has to be a pendulum where as human beings we can easily swing between the masculine and the feminine energy you know without being rigid um you know in our gender socialization and, and 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 I wonder then, uh, Dr. Hanakhau, because one one of the things that 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 is very clear though is that in some of the instances, you find men who are able to call out their counterparts when they're doing something wrong, but others who simply think that no, uh, a man has an absolute right of 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 you know um doing whatever it is that they want and you shouldn't be trying to block them. So how do we begin to have that conversation with the men? Because the calling out of each other when it comes to some of these things is also going to help them become more aware. Yeah. So so I, I think ultimately it's, it's an appreciation that, uh, you know, broadly speaking, you know, the gender-based violence, we, we must never isolate it. It's never an isolated incident. Actually, we must at all costs avoid the narrative of saying there's a group of good men, you mm. know, and a group of big men. I think, you know, a healthy discussion would be how do we, all of us, see ourselves as contributors in some form or another to, to, to gender-based violence. You know, if it was a pyramid, the explicit violence would be the top of that pyramid. So we must understand ourselves as the building blocks of that particular pyramid, whether is at the bottom of that pyramid through, you know, socialization, um, you know, um, uh, which then speaks about normalization of violence. So the normalization is like problematic language, mm. uh, gender stereotypes, objectification. And this is something, even myself speaking here, I participate, you know, in, in, in those things. So it's about calling, continuously calling ourselves out. Of course, there will be those who would then graduate to degrading, where you begin to act it out, harassing, verbally abusing, stalking, being a menace. You know, others would actually even graduate to higher levels of loss of autonomy, you know, spiking and just threatening and, you know, sexual cohesion and so forth. And those are kind of like the ones that we tend to now want to point out. And that will then obviously lead to the top of the pyramid, which is the explicit violence, you know, the murder and the rape and so forth. But we, we're all part of this. So it's it's about a continuous journey of calling ourselves out, calling each other out, as opposed to having this narrative that there's a group of bad men on the one side who must be called out continuously and a good group of good guys who are doing the right thing. It's, it's, it's more of a collective responsibility. And the opposite is also true. You know, we are all contributing to positive masculinity. Uh, so the, the the emphasis here is about um, you know minimizing um, you know the the, the 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 negative contribution and expanding on the positive contribution, looking at it from a lens of a whole society response. Yeah. Mm. And Grayson, I wonder then if 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 we have even begun to 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 scratch the surface, especially when you think about. Um, what is happening, and, and I'm going to talk about what's happening in the homes, not only just outside where we can see. 
especially when there are women who have to put up with all kinds of things behind closed doors. And we as society then say, "Uh uh-uh, it's not my business. I'm not going to get involved in my neighbor's business. I'm going to turn a blind eye because at least now my home is safe. But there's still no sense of community. And one thinks about the 16 days of activism. One of the objectives is to make sure that we try to get involved, that we make sure that we help those who are victims. No, absolutely. Um, and, and right now we're talking about um, various kinds of, of, of violence and abuse. We're talking about sexual, we're talking about physical, we're talking about emotional, we, as well we're talking about economic. And I think what's very important about having these conversations in the home, um, Bongiwe, is also understanding that, you know, trauma and abuse can affect, you know, the cognitive learning ability of a child that is in a home that... Mm currently experiences and sees this kind of abuse. Mm -hmm. So you might find that the child might not necessarily be progressing at school, not because they are not, they don't have the ability to do, to do so, but because they, they, they cognitive learning ability has been compromised due to trauma in the home. So we need to create a new normal in the home that we have these conversations while passing the salt at the dinner table, that Mm -hmm. we talk about masculinity. We talk about the fact that your son is abusing your daughter-in-law. And that we don't turn a blind eye, you know, and that we call out. My colleague is, is, is I, I completely concur that we need to call each other out and say, listen, this is not the way you do things. We shouldn't be afraid to call the police on our brothers, on our fathers, on our sisters and on people that we live in the home with. Because ultimately, you know, what also what 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 is ex- expressed in the household leaves the household at the end of the day. We shouldn't have fooled ourselves in understanding or thinking the fact, thinking that you know what has happened in the home will stay in the home. Mm. This individual will leave and and do the very same thing outside the doors um, of, of of the home, you know. And so you find that now we find ourselves in sticky situations whereby you know people lose their lives because we did not call out the violence and created a new normal in the home. Because ultimately, you know, we're talking about um, the, the socioeconomic challenges that violence. Um, uh, ex- ex- um, exacerbates in, in society, you know. So we even find that um, within society and within our homes, we become comfortable with the violence. We become comfortable with the normal that has been created in the home, where when the dad comes home, it's a it's a normal, it's a new, it's a, it's it's something normal that he's going to fight, he's going to become violent, he's going to want sex from his wife. And by the way, we also need to have those conversations with married women that you know what, people who are married, they they are not entitled. To sex you know consent is very important when we talk about sexual violence in the home so we need to have these teachings in the home we need to invest time in also unpacking um, this particular facet in schools as well because this kind of teaching and learning needs to start at a, at a young age it needs to start at a very young age where we build men and women of character that are going to defend society from the age of six Mm. And not the and not having this kind of conversation at the age of forty two. So the responsibility lies upon us as well when mm. creating this new normal within our homes and ultimately within our communities. Hey, Grayson, you said something that was striking, and 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 it's something that I always say that it doesn't stop in the home. You know, that child is going to go out into society, whether they are at creche, whether they are at, um, you know, primary school, middle school, high school, anything. They're going to do that which they are seeing in the homes. 
um, you know, outside. And then we become surprised by some of the behaviors that we are seeing. And and, and, and Dr. Hanaka, I wonder then, because, you know, one of the things that uh, came out yesterday when the, the, the deputy president was addressing um, the, the, the gathering on the launch of 16 Days, he says, um, he's, you know, for them, they're calling as government, they're calling on the justice system to be a bit more stringent when it comes to some of the sentences that they meet out to some of the perpetrators. But I suppose it doesn't start at the sentences. It starts even in the investigative level of this particular conversation and also making sure that when the police are called to the scene, they investigate thoroughly, but they respond adequately as well. No, no, absolutely, uh, um, Bongiwe. Um, although, you know, one just disappointing South Africans by saying that, you know, the, um, the response by the criminal justice system may do, uh, you know, wonders in making us um, feel uh, better by seeing people arrested and sent to long uh, jail terms. But the reality is that it's actually going to do very little in, in making an impact. Uh, because, you know, by the time uh, what is visible and what is happening is experience, that forms a very small percentage um, in, you know, what is hidden. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can work, um, you know, so the explicit violence that we see, it's the, it's the final step of the pyramid, as I mentioned earlier, that mm-hmm. violence is So, and as South Africans, we tend to be, get very excited around reacting you know, to the events. Mm. And we do very little in dealing with the hidden that, that we've touched on quite extensively. So it's really about going below the line, really going deep diving into seeing, you know, the bottom of this pyramid. So what are these mental models? Uh, you know, what are beliefs, uh, you know, which stimulate these behaviors, which now speaks deeply to our values? And, you know, you, you know those beliefs that are deeply held principles that are not based on fact, but we, we, we deeply believe in them because those then form our attitudes. And it's that those attitudes that go on to become what I touched on earlier about normalization, which then influences our, you know, um, you know language, sexist jokes, you know, uh, victim blaming, you know, objectification and so forth. And that is where the building blocks of violence begin. And the other side that we tend not to look into and associate with violence is this, the structures of societies, you know, because, you know, um, behavioral scientists have shown the whole thing around free will, that yes, as much as we make decisions from our cognitive, you know, understanding, but we also make decisions based on our environment. So your environment influences whether you turn left or right, you know. Um, and so if you look at a lot of environments where the violence takes place, you know, there's littering, there is, um, you know, delimitation, there is unkept, um, you know, uh, yards, gardens, uh, grasses overgrown, dumping, you know, so potholes, lighting. It's, mm. it's, it's, so, you know, uh, littering, you know, a person who throws a, 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 a litter, you know, on the ground or out of the window, they wouldn't describe themselves as a rapist, you know. But by the time a rapist comes into the society, and they see later, they're already processing that this society does not really care for itself, does not care for their people, is not a monitored uh, society. So you might not, you might come out and say, no, I'm not a rapist. But if you later, you, you, you are part of that. And hence, I'm emphasizing that we must all see ourselves as perpetrators. We must all see ourselves 
as 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 you know um people who contribute to the culture of gender-based violence and it includes amongst others ensuring that you know we deal with not just the visible but the day-to-day in terms of social order as well as physical order you're raising very important points that we need to deal with the unseen and as grayson says that the unseen then filters into society so how do we then begin to help someone who's listening today to process certain things that they might be seeing or feeling and, and, and get into a better position. We need to revisit our cultural beliefs where a, a, a girl child is being viewed as much more inferior than the boy, especially in the black community. That's where the problem starts. And secondly, in South Africa, we've got very effective tools to deal with this gauge. Your uh, family violence and child protection and sexual offenses unit within the South African police services, it needs to be strengthened. Your commission for gender equality mustn't be seen as a toothless body. It has to do its work. The Domestic Violence Act of 1998 must be implemented accordingly into the courts of laws. Let's change our mindset, especially in the black community. Good morning, morning. This is Ndogozo Kanyile in what the government is doing its best to eliminate GBV from the society. But the media, especially the soapies that we used to watch on our screens, are not helping the situation at all. Some of these soapies ended up even allowing women to pass through all sort of GBV acts, whereas we can use this screen script to eliminate such crime from the society. Maybe some of your listeners and yourself might disagree with me. It's Bramoro in Bloemfontein. Good morning, Zamzi. Um, see Paul saying Bongiwe, it's rich for Paul to want culprits of GBV to be jailed when looting is done by the same politicians for funds that are meant to empower victims and uh, protect and they protect looters with innocent until proven guilty. And uh, SMS line any politicians who say they will not rest until problems like GBV are fixed, deserve to be mocked mercilessly for such criminal political platitudes. And that is ish there. Um, and that's, uh, those are some of your comments. And let's go back then to our conversation. Um, Grayson, as you know, we, we're starting to round up our conversation. I want us to, to really talk about whether or not days like 16 days are worth it in your view. No, absolutely. I don't think that there's ever going to be a day where talking about violence and gender-based violence will not be worth it. Um, we need to utilize the time and space that we that we have um, in our day-to-day lives to unpack and understand what this means. Because ultimately, um, they they have unwanted effects, you know, in society. And I think it's very important that um, you know when 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 we're talking about uh, 16 days of activism, when we're talking about violence uh, holistically, that At the crux and and, and the core of the matter is um, access to information and access to resources. Because currently in South Africa, you find that people do not know that, um, for one, that they are being abused. They do not understand and know that, you know, actually what has been done to me, it's a crime. So that is where access to information and resources for starters comes in. Secondly, you know, uh, there might be individuals at home sitting and wondering, how do I get a protection order? How do I get a restraining order? You know, what are the steps that I need to take to make sure that I am safe, that my children are safe? Uh, you know, and this is the kind of conversations that we need to have because currently you might find that people do not know. And when we talk about access to information, um, you know, we're talking about uh, access to information in my own language. 
you know, that is there a place and time where I'm going to go into a Tutuzela care center or any center for that matter and have information packaged in a language that I understand? Because at times you find that, you know, quite a bit get lost, um, you know, in, in, in language and not in understanding. So I think it's quite important, um, you know, that, that we have these kind of discussions and give access to information to quite a number of people. And uh, Bongwe, you mentioned something quite critical at the beginning of this um, conversation is what does access to justice look like for individuals who are, for, for example, visually impaired? Mm. Because our justice system is, is built in a particular manner that, you know, you need to um, see the victim. You know, you need to describe the victim. You know, and unfortunately, you know, you find that not everyone possesses the ability or the privilege to have eyes that can see. So then how does then the justice system packaged in the way that it is speak to those that, you know, have a difference in ability in society? And I think it's also very important that, you know, we go back to the basics in terms of, um, you know, redefining the meaning um, and purpose of certain cultural um, 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 aspects in our culture, tradition, because it, we, we can do all the talking on on. on, on and the discussions on radio in mm. our workshops and work. But if we're not redefining those um, elements in society that enforce um, and, and produce violence, then the work that we do on a day-to-day basis becomes futile. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Kanak, I'm going to give you the, the final word then on this one. So um, in terms of making sure that this is a 365 days process, you know, uh, when we launched the Takwani Reime um program of action um you know on international men's day we, we we really declared that you know on wednesdays uh we 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 really must make that men's day so we're even calling out to our colleagues in in the media space that instead of waiting for the 16 days mm. you know you know speak to your you know producers let's have those continuous engagements you know is you know Sheila's Day, Thursday is Women's Day, Sunday is Faith Day. You know with the energy uh, around faith and so forth. Friday is like you know your groove energy. So we wanting to ensure that on Wednesdays there is that masculine energy. So let us all have a whole society, whole of government response, making sure that on Wednesdays, uh, you know we 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 bring that masculine energy. So uh, whether it's meeting in traditional councils, meeting in churches. Uh, we speak into the Department of Health so that, you know, there's men-friendly clinics on that day, um, all of society. So, yes, it's all ultimately right. ensuring that we are convening uh, men to have these uh, discussions on an ongoing basis. You've just challenged me. I will have a conversation with the producers. <laughs> <laughs> You've just challenged me. But let me thank you both. Oh, I wish I had a lot of time with both of you because th- there's just so much that... I've learned personally, and I'm sure the listeners have learned as well um, in this conversation. And as you say, both of you, that it's a continuous conversation. It's a conversation we need to have. It's one that we should not be shying away from and only having it during the 16 days. But it's a continuous one as we are raising, uh, you know, children. um, And that's the future. Of, of, of our South Africa. So that was uh, Grayson Taylor, Strategic Information Manager at Chapter 2 and Deputy Chairperson of the Men's Sector, Dr. Madume Khanaka. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.